From points across California, you're listening to the Disneyland edition of the Diz Unplugged. This is the Diz Unplugged Disneyland edition, episode 324 for the week of July 31st, 2014. The Disney Unplugged Disneyland Edition is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, helping you plan a perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at www.dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the show. I'm your host Tom Bell, and I'm joined by our Disneyland team, Nancy Johnson, Mary Jo Mulatto-Willie, and Michael Bowling. In this segment, Mary Jo takes a day six drive to the La Brea Tar Pits. Mary Jo? Yes, well, today's Day 6 adventures take us to the nearby La Brea Tar Pits located in Hancock Park, which is in the Wilshire District of Los Angeles, which is a rather affluent area. The word Brea is Spanish, or Brea, and it means tar, so I like to call them the Tar Tar Pits. (laughs) Somehow it kind of reminds me of Raw Hamburger, but I digress. (laughs) It's actually asphalt. Pits Tar Tar. Even at that... This is a misnomer, as Nancy alluded to, because these pits are not full of tar. They're full of asphalt, which continually seeps through the ground. So if we were to call it by the right name, we'd probably say El Asfalto Asphalt Pits. And I think we'll stay with the La Brea Tar Pit. Sounds a lot nicer. So it does. <laughs> I've been going to the La Brea Tar Pit since the late 60s when we would get family from out of state. And we got many throughout the years. A visit to the La Brea Tar Pits was part of what we used to call the Mulatto Inland Tour. But let me go back to an even earlier time when Los Angeles was in a much more humid and colder climate. Asphalt had already been slowly back seeping. Back to the dinosaurs. Back to the, well, kind of after like the after dinosaurs. the dinosaurs, actually. <laughs> um, asphalt had been slowly, or during the time of the dinosaurs too, but asphalt had been slowly seeping through the top of the ground for thousands of years. As the liquid evaporated, the asphalt became a little bit harder and leaves and le- dirt would cover it. When it rained, water also covered these pits. During the hotter months, the asphalt would melt, and this led to many animals being caught up in it throughout the years. Radiometric dating of preserved wood and bones has given an age of about 38,000 years for the oldest known material, which happens to be wood. Larger animals would go drink the water, and they would find themselves stuck with no way out. Their cries of fear would be heard by predators like dire wolves and saber cats. These would feast on... <laughs> That's exactly... Sorry. Watch out, they're going to come get you, Nancy. You know, I had no idea dire wolves were real. I watched Game of Thrones, and I yeah. just thought they were from that realm. I didn't know until I went on the onto the website that there were real dire wolves. Yeah, and they have a lot of skulls that I'll I'll mention again in a, in a little bit. But yeah, they... This area was full of them at at that time. Well, the dire wolves and the saber cats would feast on the animals and they would also get stuck. Then birds of prey would go after the dying or the already dead animals and they would get stuck. And this didn't happen all the time, but it happened enough that millions of bones have been found in these pits. So they would say like maybe every um, 10 years or something, one animal might get stuck. But, you know, just like us, animals have a lot of bones. And so when they consider that... It's, it's there's various animals, yeah. Um, and this even ha- continues to happen today. So I was recently on a tour at the Library of Tar Pits with Alicia and Kim, fellow Dizzers, and Roz was there too. And our yep. guide told us that one day she went out and she saw a body of a squirrel that had been trapped in one of the tar pits. That so she just saw this fur in there, and then a few la- days later, when she went back, she saw crow feathers 
in the pit. So those crow had attacked the dead squirrel and there you go. So the cycle does continue today. Through the thousands of years, mammoths, mastodons, dire wolves, ground sloths, saber cats, wild horses, and camels were trapped, as well as various kinds of birds, other small mammals, insects, even mollusks and turtles, and of course, lots of plant life. The word written, excuse me, the first written record of the La Brea tar pits, or the asphalt pits, was by the Portola expedition in 1769. They noted that the Native Americans... Um, known as the Chumash or Tongva people, used it to waterproof their boats and other things that they use. Father Juan Crespi wrote, While crossing the Mason, scouts reported having seen some geysers of tar issuing from the ground like springs. It boils up molten, and the water runs to one side and the tar to the other. The scouts reported that they had come across many of these springs and had seen large swamps of them, enough, they said, to caulk many vessels. We were not so lucky ourselves as to see these tar geysers, much though we wished it, as it was some distance out of the way we were to take and the governor Portola did not want us to go past them. We christened them Los Volcanes de Brea, which means the tar volcanoes. The tar was used by locals when they built the missions to pitch the roofs of their homes. So Spain granted this area and it was called the Rancho La Brea, or Rancho La Brea. The tar pits were left for public use and even though they found bones in them, they just thought they were from local animals or horses or cows since they tended to get stuck in them. The land later became the Hancock Ranch, and in 1901, a Union Oil geologist recognized that these bones were fossilized prehistoric animals. So the Hancock family, they owned the land and they gave the museum sole rights to dig there for two years, and then they gave 23 acres to Los Angeles County. From 1913 through 1915, paleontologists dug 93 pits looking for fossils. Some of these pits can still be seen today. In those days, they were only interested in the large mammals, and they did not pay any attention to the smaller fossils. It wasn't until much later that the scientists realized that they needed to look at the microfossils to learn about the environment that Los Angeles existed in. In 1952, the observation pit was open, and this is what I remember seeing when I went there in my youth. It consists of an enclosed pit with bones that are exposed of various animals. There's a walkway around the pit that descends so that you can either view the bones from high above, closer to the ground. I remember field trips where we would go there, learn about the animals that lived during prehistoric times, and look at the legend that identified the bones and that would tell us what the heck we were looking at. Because it looked like this big glob of black, tar with bones sticking out and we didn't know what it was yep. so have any of you guys been to the observation pit that you see it's like what's interesting dome. is it's only open now for the tours right um and which is kind of sad because when we were going there that was the one thing that we would look at but i think that um well they have I think that pit's pretty much been replaced by, um, what is it, dig site number 23 or something like that? Well, Project 23, which I'll talk about in a bit, Project is a little bit different. Yeah. But I think you're thinking of pit 91, which I'm also going to talk about in a bit. Yeah. So in 1969, paleontologists began excavating pit 91 that Nancy just mentioned and found more than 300 species out of that one pit over the 40 years that they've been working in it. The La Brea Tar Pits is part of the Museum of Natural History. So when they get money, they begin excavating. And when they run out, they stop. 
So this work is dependent on grants given to the museum. Most of what we know about the rodents and other small mammals, mollusks, birds, plants, etc., even pollen grains, come from that one pit. There's an observation deck with a window overlooking the pit. You can watch what they get and they will have notes telling you what has been found so far. They have to continually bail asphalt out of the pit because it keeps seeping up. This also happens in the observation pit. When Alicia, Kim, Roz, and I were there recently, there were two volunteers cleaning the bones out of asphalt that had seeped up and on them. The volunteers told me that they would be doing this for two weeks, seven days a week, so by the end of July, they'll be done with that job. In the 1970s, the Natural History Museum of Los Angeles County built the George C. Page Museum next to the tar pits. It's located next to the lake pit, which is one of the most famous features of this park. If you saw the movie Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones, the volcano originated in this lake. The lake was originally an asphalt mine. This is something I didn't know until the tour, that the lake was originally an asphalt mine. And over the years, it was filled by seeping asphalt and water. The other tar pits that you see were also excavations that filled up. And that's why we have these large ponds of tar. I thought it was natural, but it's because of the excavation pits that just... Yeah. Even, and since the asphalt keeps seeping up, it just fills them up and with, with that in the water. So when you walk through Hancock Park, you will see several caged-in areas with asphalt seeping up. That's because several years ago, this park was renovated and the seeps were closed in to protect people and animals, except for squirrels that squeeze through the bars. But if you look closely, yeah. you'll see that there's more spots throughout the park in the grass where the asphalt continues to seep out. And since these are small, figure about the size of a, so of a large softball, they just put a traffic cone over them so you don't step there and get asphalt all over your shoes. <laughs> Yep. Or they, um, occasionally they'll do police tape if they can't get one of those little, um, iron fencing frames. Yeah. Because so it, the, it, go ahead. It's great. No, 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 it's fine. Um, it, that's one of the things I love about it is, you know, you can have that dangerous walk across the, across the lawn and you can see where these have boiled up previously because they'll be kind of a weird hump in the dirt. Yeah. And I remember one time, I think it was, you know, way back in 1976, it was coming up through the sidewalks. It was just, for some reason, that was just a really hot year or something. And a lot of asphalt yeah. was seeping up. And I remember that there would be like a small, maybe the size of, maybe two fists together, a, a hole yeah. like that. And bubbles would be coming up through there, which was kind of cool. And um, the, the bubbles that do come to the surface smell, um, they smell pretty bad. And it's methane gas that's escaping. So in 2007, mm -hmm. they discovered that the bubbles were formed by bacteria. After eating the petroleum, the bacteria released the methane. And they discovered, they being the scientists or paleontologists, between 200 to 300 new species of bacteria here. And one of the kind of cool things that Nancy was talking about, these fenced-in areas over by the Page Museum, there is kind of a large pit. It's not it's not huge. Maybe the size of like a sewer lid, maybe, um, yeah. that's fenced in. And next to that is some hard asphalt. If you step on it, it squishes in. So it's not completely hard. There's still yep. soft asphalt under there. So... I, I told these kids, roulette. excuse me, <laughs> high heel roulette. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Figure, think of Disneyland on opening day. And that's, <laughs> that's I was just thinking. That. <laughs> so, um, 
it's the area is still very dynamic with everything and the whole area is on this it's called it's a salt lake oil field which is under the fairfax district north of the park i believe they said it was like 12 miles in diameter it's huge because Something like that, yeah. mm-hmm, because of the asphalt buildings in the area have to be, have a special membrane to keep the asphalt from seeping into them. And some need sumps to collect the asphalt. And I have to say thank you to Alicia for asking that question during our tour. Um, cause I would never have known that. They say that there at the museum, they're not too afraid of earthquakes because the asphalt kind of stabilizes the ground, but they are worried about the fossils that have been excavated because of the static setting that they're in above ground in the museum. In 2009, the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, LACMA, purchased land from the nearby May Company and they began to build a parking structure there. They were sensitive to the idea that there might be fossils, so they worked with the History Museum to start digging. And it's a good thing they did because 16 more deposits were found about 10, 25 feet below the surface. And what they did, other before what they do, they would just dig down in the in the excavation pits what they did here is they dug around the deposits so they dug around they figured out what the deposit was and they put boxes around them and they used a crane to carry them out and there's 23 crates and so this is called project 23 and these crates are huge um i'm trying to think of a good way to describe it the di- the dimensions the- if you've ever seen a really, really large tree planter, like the kinds that are about four by four by f- four by four by four, yeah, that's the minimum size. Yeah, there's also a really large box in the middle because Nikki and I were just there about five days ago. Um, I guess about what six days after you guys were there, and it's I would say that one's a good. Eight by eight by six. That's what I was thinking. It's huge and is amazing. Just amazing. The crates sit in an area behind pit 91. And that's why they say that pit 91 was only 40 years because it's, it's on hold. Once they found project 23, they put pit 91 on hold so they could start excavating these deposits. And what they did yep. is they have them in this fenced in area out in the open and they have these kind of like trucks, covered trucks, and they put a crate in there. And so you watch the paleontologists as they go through cleaning the fossils and getting as much as they can out of there. I just thought it was really interesting that we could see them working. And they work there um, seven days a week over there, and they're volunteers. Yep. And they've, although they've been, um, they've excavated a few crates, there's, the majority still need to be worked on. So um, if you want to give a grant to somebody and you haven't and you've already given to give kids the world and you're looking for something else you might want to to uh, contribute to this project so far in this deposit for project 23 they have found the remains of a saber of a saber-toothed cat six dire wolves bison horses a giant ground sloth turtles snails clams millipedes fish gophers and something new you guys haven't heard me mention an american lion also found and probably the most exciting to date is an almost entire mammoth skeleton. Up until this time, bones have been found here and there and the animals reconstructed in the Page Museum are composites of various bones. However, this one mammoth only has a few pieces missing. It's missing a rear leg, a vertebrae, um, the top of its skull, which was sheared off by construction equipment. 
So it has about 80% of its body. Uh, excuse me, yep. skeleton. And also what it has are the eight foot tusk and the rest of the skeleton. So the eight foot tusk, they've never found tusk in their entirety and this deposit has them. The mammoth has been nicknamed Zed and it can be seen in the Page Museum where they're currently uh, working to clean the bones. Things they know about Zed the mammoth. He was about 46 to 48 years old. He had three broken ribs that were rehealed prior to death. So they think that he was probably in a fight with another mammoth. There was also a possible tumor on his chin. They had a bone growth and some bones show arthritis. Some teeth were worn down, which shows that he's a bit older. He's the largest mammoth in the collection and biggest and bigger than all the other specimens found. So it's really exciting. And we're, that's only five years ago that they started, that they found this deposit. So this is, this is unfolding as, as we have this podcast, they, what they're finding at, um, Project 23. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. And they've got the larger pieces. Um, now, basically, they've got them placed in with other exhibits for the time being while they're um, dealing with them. So, like, for instance, the tusks are in a they're in their casts. So when they dig fossils out of the earth, they plaster wrap um, the deposits so that everything remains whole and then they attach boards onto the depo- onto the plaster um, in order to be able to pick up and move the specimen and so you can see those mounted outside um, a couple of the different exhibits which is they have. really exciting and we'll get to a little bit more of that when we get to and the, the museum they're freaking huge oh they're huge so project Just huge Project 23 captures the full spectrum of life. The theory is that there's been a history of climate change 11,000 to 40,000 years ago. Significant events show the last glacial time around 27,000 years ago, and there was an effect of cooling than heating. Sound familiar, guys? Cooling, heating. About 13,000 years ago, many of these animals became extinct. The saber-toothed cats, dire wolves, mastodons, ground sloths, mammoths, camels. They also had short-faced bears. And they're hoping that a detailed study of the microfossils will help focus on clues that caused this extinction. Some of them think that um, maybe these animals became extinct when humans came came around. And it might be a combination between the um, appearance of man and climate change. And they just couldn't compete against that. But those are just theories. When you go to the tar pits, you can wander the grounds for free, though there is a charge for parking. When we parked there, it was $9.00. And you can also park on the street, and then you'll have to walk to the park. However, don't park on Wilshire Boulevard because you won't have your car when you come back. Sometimes the observation pit is open, and like Nancy said, um, it's now just open for the tours. Um, if you do get the opportunity, make sure that you go in there. Um, only really one person, cool. yeah, only one person has been found at the La Brea Tar Pit, and they call her the La Brea Woman. She, and I actually saw her skeleton when they, when they, um, used to be on display. She lived about 10,000 years ago and she was about between 17 and 25 years old when she died, which was old age in those days. She was found with the remains of a domestic dog and it's believed that she was buried and not caught in the tar. And they used to have a really cool exhibit where they showed, um, there was like a box and you saw this Native American woman in the box. And then the light would come on and you would see her skeleton. 
So that was cool. But the museum put that away out of respect um, for the Native Americans. Um, they thought that maybe they, they, she's a person, not an object. And so they took, they put her skeleton away. The Page Museum does have a cost and I highly recommend that you go there. And Nancy will chime in here too. It's open from 9.30 to 5 p.m. every day except for Independence Day, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. The cost is $12 for adults or $5 for children ages 3 to 12. Students and senior, seniors are 9 bucks. The museum has a film that continuously runs that gives the brief history of the area, explains how the asphalt pits were formed, and how the animals were trapped. There are also many exhibits showing the animals that were excavated. Some are just skeletons and some are fully dressed. There's a wall with nothing but dire wolf skulls. It's kind of impressive, Michael, because you see just, I don't know how many. There's a lot of dire, it's the whole wall. It's just full of skull after skull. They also, go ahead. Very cool. Yeah. I was going to say, that's one of the more impressive visuals. One of the things I love about this museum is the way they choose to mount yeah. all of their um, all their um, fossils, and it's just it's very really, well done, really impressive. Yeah, and I I've been there a few times now, depending you know just with different visitors, and every time that I've because I don't go a lot, but every time I've gone, they've improved their exhibits time and time again. So. There's real interest um, by the people who take care of the museum. It's just really, really nice. Um, they also have an exhibit where you can see how hard it was for these animals to escape. So there's these metal rods in tar or the asphalt, and you lift them up. And depending how heavy the animal was, shows you how heavy it was to lift their legs out of the asphalt. And you can see how... Once they got in, there was just no way of getting out. So it's a good thing that they have fences around, around them at this time. Um, the fo- they also have um, a fossil lab, which is a room with windows all around. You can see the volunteers working as they clean the bones. And that's what Nancy was talking about, where they have these casts. And they um, you see them cleaning microfossils. You also see the skull of Zed in there as well as his tusks. And then they have another exhibit of a mammoth and it shows, what is it? Is it the pelvic bone, Nancy? Um, okay. The pelvic bone is over to the, to the left um, of the lab. It It's okay. to the left of the lab by the actual, what you referred to as the clothed mammoth. They have an audio animatronic mammoth um, to show you kind of what the mammoth would Look like or, um, with, if it was yeah what it would look everything. like if it was like and it's actually scaled down much smaller than an a, than the actual one that's mounted um, next to it but the pelvis is on display there along with a couple femurs and, and they're huge the, they are they're huge inside the fishbowl is actually the jaw okay. with the molars and those are also huge. Um, they're definitely huge. Um, and then the tusks are over on the opposite side of the museum, over by the saber-tooth cat family. And so today the volunteers use organic compound to clean the bones. But in the past, probably like when in the 60s when I was just a little girl, they used kerosene to clean the bones. 
So, yep. And then I have in my notes same thing. What Nancy talk. said is prominent in the rumor is Ed's large tusks and skull, and you can also take large tusks and skull in that in the lab. And the people do a really good job of ignoring us as we're staring at them while they work. <laughs> I think because they're, they're used to it. Yeah, every day. Yeah, and you see them with their micro their microscopes and. They're, they're really looking at all the fossils through a, a fine tooth comb. Well, and they were doing microfossils when we were there, which is pretty much what they have to do a lot in the fishbowl. It's where you actually get to see them clean a big fossil on just a random visit. But um, th- what they're doing is they have to take the they have to take the sediment, the tar, um, otherwise known as the matrix that the fossils are suspended in and they have to dissolve that and then sift through it and remove anything that isn't potentially fossil. Um, and what they're left with are little things like seeds, mouse toe bones, you know, all that stuff um, is what they have to sort through and classify. And it's an extremely time consuming part of archaeology yeah. and paleontology. And a lot of these are so, volunteers, but for a student, what a, what a great opportunity. So yeah. over at the um, museum, you can take a couple of tours and see a different show and all those are at a cost. So when we were there, we took the excavator tour. It was an additional $9 and I highly recommend it. We visited the Observation pit, Project 23, pit 21, as well as another pit off to the, in, in the park. The docent was very interesting and she had a lot of good information for us. It took around 40 minutes and it's available every day. On the weekends, you can see the Ice Age encounters, which we were not able to see ourselves. Did you guys see that, Nancy, when you went? Ice Age encounters? It's a 15 minute show that features a life-size adult saber-toothed cat puppet, a live performance, and film projections. No, we did not see that. Your kids would Is that in the that. other theater? That's in that big theater when you first walk in on the left-hand side. Oh, no, no. They weren't running it when we went. Okay, it's only on the weekends. But oh, no, we were uh, we were there during the week. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So, But if you do want to see that, it's uh, $3 a person. To see that. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. So, and, you know, we've seen stuff like that at um, the Natural History Museum because they do that with dinosaurs at the Natural History Museum. So it's always. And so that makes perfect sense since they're owned by the same. Right. They're run by the same. Museum association. Mm-hmm. That they would do that. Yes. So there's so much to see at this museum, including the exhibits, the shows, the fossil lab, atrium with live koi fish in the pond and the trees. And there's also a. Um, Nancy will correct me, the Pleistocene Garden? Pleistocene. Pleistocene Garden, thank you, which shows the native vegetation of the Ice Age. The museum does have a gift shop. They sell ice water in there, probably snacks, but I didn't get any, so, but I do they know They have bug-oriented snack, bug-fossil-oriented snacks. <laughs> the, you know, the, the candy made with bugs in it? Yes. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, and they it's have some... It's humorous. It's humorous. It's nice for kids, and they also have some nice things, interesting and science type items that you can get there. Yes. Um, you, if you visit the La Brea Tar Pits website, you can see a layout of the Hancock Park grounds, read details of the museum, and you also have access to a blog, which I thought this was cool. There's an excavator who keeps a blog, and the site links to it, so he tells you what's going on and what can be found at the La Brea Tar Pit page. In addition to... Um, the museum and everything. They do have a couple of life-size ground sloths 
there at the park. And we have pictures of us as kids climbing on those. And they're still there and people are still climbing on them. But uh, we actually took a picture of, we got a sloth hug <laughs> in our pictures. <laughs> um, and did you guys know that California has an official state fossil? Mm-hmm. What, do you know what it is? The saber-toothed cat. You're right. It's a saber-toothed cat. Yep. And you notice that we're calling it the saber-toothed cat. That's because saber-toothed tiger is a misnomer. It's called a saber-toothed cat because it's neither a tiger or a lion. It's another kind of cat. So the Rancho La Brea is the most famous, but two other asphalt pits in Southern California also contain fossils. You have the, and I didn't know this, but there's the Carpinteria tar pits in Carpinteria. The Santa Barbara County and the McKittrick Tar Pits in McKittrick, that's in Kern, in Kern County. As other asphalt deposits can be found in Texas, Peru, Trinidad, Iran, Russia, Venezuela, and Poland. But the largest is here in California, here in Los Angeles. After spending time in the museum, you can go around the corner and drive a few blocks to the famous Los Angeles Farmer's Market for some shopping and dining. The La Brea Tar Pits is one of the world's largest fossil sites excuse me, the largest fossil sites. And like I said, it's right here in Los Angeles in one of the most affluent areas called the Miracle Mile in the Wilshire District. You can get there from Disneyland by taking the 5 Freeway to the 10 West, which we call the Santa Monica Freeway, and getting off at La Brea Avenue. Take that to Wilshire Boulevard, turn left, and you're right there. Pretty easy. Drive will take you a little bit under an hour, and it's one of the tours that I highly recommend when you're out here in the Los Angeles and Orange County areas. So, Nancy, did you have any other, did I miss anything that you think that we should share? Um, let's see. One of the things I like about the Page Museum and the Tar Pits in general, um, make sure definitely to wear good walking shoes because it is a little bit of a distance from... Um, it's a nice large from, park. It's a very large park, yeah, and the observation pit is literally all the way on the other end of the property. So that's something to consider. Um, one of the, I really like the page museum presentation. Yeah. One of the cool things that most people miss besides the little arboretum in the middle, the, the gardens, the Pleistocene gardens. One of the things to mention is that the building is actually square shaped with a cube cut out of the very center. So think of it as, as Alice being removed from the Brady Bunch. Um, and in that center, it has only a couple access points to go into it, um, but it's a really nice little walk. But facing that wall in the back, facing the Pleistocene Garden, most people usually go in between because the case has the direwolves on one side, and um, they go on that side with the, the actual dressed direwolves. Um, what's on the back of it is actually a history of the property and the rancho and how the and how the tar pits were founded and the fight over the property and whose land is whose. Um, and there's a lot of interesting regional politics that affect it um, on ability to own land, land transfer for business, um, squatters in the, in the state at that point. It's pretty fascinating. It's an amazing picture of the story. Yeah. And it talks to you about who Mr. Page is, um, and 
who the Hancocks were. Right. I mean, the biggest thing is who the Hancocks were. And... And realizing what a treasure they had and that it should be shared. That's that's one of the things. Just for the fact, you know, how he found the skeleton, how he went to go start getting everything taken care of, um, how they willed the area to being... um, to being a, a a state park or a city park and that everything would be preserved in all the documents, you know, that they, they really took the time to make that allotment and not just, you know, deed the property over. So I just found that part especially fascinating as well. Cause I'm trying to really, you know, Los Angeles has been my city for 14 years. It's now time for me to, you know, Embrace it. Really understand where I live. <laughs> yeah. And one, and of, one of the things of that it. Alicia saw that sh- that really interested her is that a lot of the um, mammoths were, it looks like they're all juveniles because their teeth hadn't really grown all the way. They weren't worn down. And so they right. think that maybe this, there was a migratory path and that the, they would, the time of year that they would walk through Los Angeles was after... Um, after the, the, what do you call it, the calves, I guess, would get to a certain age and some of them right. would get stuck in the, in the pit. So there's a, a lot of young, um, mammoths in there and they show a, a chart that shows how the, they think the path went or the ages that were caught in there. So that was really, there's a lot of interesting information that I didn't well, go into depth about. You know, and a lot of people don't realize too that um, oh, some of the finds in uh, in the twenty three project, other finds that came out of that also, um, I can't were camels. Yeah, you, American that, camels. That's one thing people don't realize that camels existed on this continent as well, and they were definitely an animal that has been found multiple times in the pits. And another thing too that. Um, the ladies didn't know was that we had horses here in the North American continent before oh, yeah. they became extinct and had to be brought back by the Europeans. So you get to see that and you see these full skeletons. There's skeletons as well as what they're calling the dressed animals. And to me, I remember the first time I saw, they have a mastodon in there. The first time I saw that mastodon, it was like, oh my gosh, this is huge. It was just yeah. amazing. So highly recommend it. Do you agree, Nancy? I do. You know, we went through a period where every single one of our friends who came to, came to town to visit us went to the tar pits. So we went, you know, four and five times a year. And certainly we haven't really got, it's been a, a while since we've been, but we don't get tired of it. It's a great place for smaller children. Yes. You know, they can get their yayas out outside if they need to. You know, there's plenty of great ground for them to walk on and play on and um, and roll down the hill. You can actually walk up to the top levels of the museum um, and peek down into the Pleistocene area. Um, yeah. Because it's built into... It's a very um, economical green building. It's built into a grassy hill. So keep that in mind. It's very um, disabled access friendly. Yes. The whole park is, um, and I love the big, the big prints on the ground. From uh, I'm not sure whether they're supposed to be like bear prints, bear prints, or you know what kind of, you know, 
historical animal they're supposed to be prints of but i love how they put them on the path outside in the park so you know kind of where you need to go to walk around Mm -hmm. and see everything and there are restrooms outside in the park as well as inside the building there are penny presses um there's pictures you can get a souvenir photo taken of yourself they just started doing that recently oh yeah we did Um, do that so and that's a new money maker, I guess, for the museum. It's it's worth it, especially if it's, you know, a group trip. Yep. And so um, there'll be in our notes for this show are going to be the link to the website for the Librea Tarpets. Highly recommend that you look at that before you go. Thank you, Mary Jo. Thank you, everyone. That is going to do it for this segment of the Diz Unplugged. Be sure to catch all of our other Disneyland shows this week. And, of course, we'll be back again with you next week. Until then, remember... Disneyland is always more magical when it's shared. Thanks for listening.